This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and with me, the one, the only, Matt Harrison. Matt, taking a break from the worldwide interwebs to join us. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. I dare somebody to find me on the inner tubes because there are so many other Matt Harrisons. That's true. They're much more awesome. Including pitchers for the Matt Major League. Yes. All right, Matt. Well, in today's show, we're going to talk about the Hour of Code, which is happening this week. I get suckered into another top 10 list. Zuckerberg is again in the news for his EdTech plans. And is EdTech the answer to teacher evaluations? Well, let's begin with my obvious obsession with top 10 lists, although this is 11, which is also curious. Inside Higher Ed informs us the of the 11 EdTech advances that will not happen. I repeat, will not happen by 2020. Uh, besides feeling like I'm being manipulated by ed tech journalists to simply uh, talk about their top 10 lists, it basically feels like a list of things that Joshua Kim, who is the author, wants to have happen by 2020. Um, like maybe he's just hoping people are going to read this and think, oh, I can do this, so let's make it happen. I don't know. That's kind of the, the vibe I got. Um, there are a couple of things he mentions that I'm a huge fan of. However, the most important um, or the, the probably the the most, the one that struck me most is number two, and that's about a portfolio system that everyone uses. Um, basically, that would be a way to keep digital creations for students and teachers that can easily be accessible throughout the years, you know, no matter what grade or school they are at. Um, I know that this is something that students and teachers really should have, especially as this world is more and more digital. Um, we talked about this uh, many, many shows ago now, Matt. Uh, we've had so many shows, I forget which show now, but um, you know, just about keeping creations as students get older and older and as they progress through school, you know, it's not the same. You don't get to keep a piece of paper in a folder in some, some closet anymore. Now it's, you know, the digital media and how do we keep that? Any of these uh, particular 11 things that just won't happen by 2020 that stand out to you? Um, I don't know of anything that won't happen. I feel like a lot of this is just kind of personal preference of the author. Um, like number one, a communication platform that will cut down on email. I think that has more to do with the administration in which he works with uh, that just doesn't understand how to use these things properly. Yeah, and uh, that's that's not an ed tech problem. That's yeah. just a problem. Like everyone wishes there was a better way than email to communicate because people just don't read emails um, unless they know exactly who it's from and know exactly what the subject is. I am a victim of this as well. I just delete emails that I don't think involve me just by the subject. Oh, I use HipChat at work, um, and it cuts down immensely on the amount of emails that I have. I get. Um, now, the, it cuts down on the amount of really important emails, um, but I still get updates, like when somebody pings me or something like that. But number eight is another one, uh, synchronous or synchronous online teaching webinar platform where audio and video always works. I don't know that that's, I mean, there, there are platforms out there that work every time, but you also have to remember you're dealing with, you know, different pieces of hardware. I, I, I don't know. It just... It's a tongue-in-cheek article. It's a top 10 list. So by virtue of it being a top 10 list, it's kind of clickbait. So. Right. But I mean, you know, there's a there's one thing that goes on with, you know, education in general is that there's always a different sort of way that these programs need to be accessed, whether it's through a firewall or whether it's through a server that's hosted on, you know, at the district. So it really does create some issues that make these things not always work that well. It is very frustrating because I've been on the side of video conferencing that doesn't work and web platforms and all that kind of stuff that just don't work. 
But again, I don't think any of this stuff is anything besides just a wish list. You're right. Like if, if you could come up with some things that you'd want to do, you know, that a lot of those would be them. I apologize if you can hear the, a baby crying in the background. That's just my son trying to go to sleep and he's having some issues. But okay. uh, we'll, my cat. we'll move we'll move forward. <laughs> so, Matt, again, these are things that I think are interesting. And, you know, a lot of them I think would be pretty great if they happened. But again, it is just one of those musings of somebody. And, you know, I don't think this article alone is going to make any of this stuff happen. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, kind of look at the cloud. It's I know it's an overarching, you know, idea, but, you know, you can do a, there's a lot of different portfolio platforms out there. It's just to single out one is to sort of take everything away from it. I mean, there are probably hundreds if not thousands of different portfolio systems that could be used, but whether or not they talk to each other is a whole different ballgame. And to have everything go throughout, you know, kindergarten all the way up through graduation, I, I, I just, I think we're getting to the point where, you know, the folder was a really, really great place for you to put all of that because everybody kind of understood how the folder worked um, and what you could fit inside of it. You could fit paper and you could fit things like that, but you know, if your child's doing a three-dimensional diorama, can't necessarily throw that into the folder. So you have to kind of, you know, pick and choose the different types of platforms you want to use to do stuff like that. Yeah. And you know, we'll move on to our next story. And I in this one in particular, I think is going to raise a little bit of anxiety with teachers in general, because I've been on the other side of this as well. A tech crunch article explains that the ed tech business should be focusing resources on a teacher evaluation system. Uh, basically, this is just uh, him talking about in the article saying, you know, why are, why is ed tech not focusing on this? Why are ed tech businesses not focusing on this? They should be, and they could make a lot of money doing this. Well, there's always, this is always a very sensitive subject in the education world, just because exactly how are these evaluations happening and exactly how are teachers being evaluated? Um, I think that there is a clear reason, you know, why ed tech companies are not focusing on an evaluation solution. And I think it's because it's just difficult to please the district, the administrators and teachers with one solution. I mean, it's almost impossible. Um, if it could be easily done and money could be made, I think someone would already be doing it well at this point in time. So I'm not sure. He, he mentions lack of focus is to blame. I'm not really sure they're just not focusing on it. I'm sure people are trying to solve that problem. I just don't think the resources necessary to solve that problem are worth it at, at this point in time. I mean, I could say from a teacher's perspective, it's very difficult to get behind some evaluation systems because, you know, the district I was at, they had one come out and had come had some people come in and explain to us how it worked. And they couldn't even explain to us what the variables were or how they came to this percentage weight for these certain things. And, you know, how do they track what students you have. If you're a teacher of, you know, poor performing students that come to your classroom, how much of that is getting weighted against you or for someone else who has, oh, honor students in their class? I mean, it's it's really, there is no really fair one size fits all answer to this. And it's the same with me for regular ed tech. It's just not a one size fits all answer. And that's one of the reasons why you don't see a whole lot of people coming up with an amazing solution here because it's a difficult thing to do. As an outsider, Matt, I know you're not in the world of education, haven't been a teacher. Any thoughts about this type of an evaluation system being used with tech and if it would work or any just thoughts about it? Um, well, from a business standpoint, it would be foolish for a company to come in and say, hey, we have the perfect way for you to do that. Um, to be a big enough company, we would probably then have to be associated with 
something else in education and how do you as somebody who's maybe a uh, publisher or you know Dell systems how do you come in and say hey we're just gonna put this blanket system on top I mean they he may talk about how it's a lack of focus I think that there's enough focus going on to realize that this really actually does have an impact and if it has the wrong type of impact um, how do you as a business get away with that um, right now if you decide to say I'm gonna spend money and I'm gonna buy you know third you know tertiary level you know uh, iPads or you know a, a tablet type system to, to throw in the you know into the mix you know kids you know find it look at it and say well this is a great paperweight nothing really you know big is coming from it but if you're a business and you have you know a methodology or an algorithm that's gonna go around and start judging teachers and it all of a sudden you find out that it messes up badly um, you're impacting a lot of people you're impacting teachers you're impacting students you're impacting you know the public at large so I don't think it's a lack of focus I think that companies are smart to not do this um, it would it would really really hamstring them in education yeah no it's it's a difficult issue at best and you know speaking of throwing money at an issue we have an NPR article that's telling us how Mark Zuckerberg is betting on tech and its ability to improve educational equity. Um, as most of you are aware, Zuckerberg announced uh, very recently that he's planning to give away somewhere in the in the neighborhood of 95% of his wealth uh, away throughout his lifetime. Um, and one of his focus areas is in personalized learning. I know that he, um, I can't think of the name of the school, Alt School, I believe it is that he uh, has invested in as well, that sort of has, is building their own ecosystem for education and personalized learning. Um, it, you know, the article mentions that although personalized learning can help students bridge those achievement gaps, it, that strategy and others have done not very much to close divides in education, especially between um, socioeconomic groups. Um, and it often creates more divides because those that don't have access to computers or internet are, are left behind even more. Um, the article mentions that the fact that even giving technology and access to underperforming students is not the biggest problem that has to be solved. And I think we've mentioned this a lot of times, Matt. So there's no magic bullet. I've said it m numerous times even in today's show. I think throwing money at a problem is never going to solve it by itself. Um, I do think someone like you know Mark Zuckerberg investing money and time, more specifically time, in this can definitely be the start of something good. I mean, I don't think that giving students who don't have computers or internet access those things is going to be a negative. That's a positive, but what, what do they do with it and how do they make it work and how do they get, you know, benefits educationally from it? I think that's probably the difficult thing. Um, they didn't really give us any details about the plans, but I am interested to see the approach he takes in the coming years and how he decides he wants to tackle this problem. Um, I, I, I think it's great. I mean, I, you know, throwing money at anything really isn't going to do all that, especially if you're, you know, throwing it at a school and at the end user level. But, you know, trying to foster ideas about how you can, you know, level the playing field a little bit or how you can reach new, you know, uh, groups of people, um, I don't think is ever a bad thing. The difference uh, is that education, this is for our children. Um, so when things fail on, you know, the delivery model to the children, uh, it kind of screws us all in the long run. So bringing democratization to education at the higher level and looking at different ways that you can, you know, sort of reach out to people. And I, I look at that more in the sense of uh, Code Academy 
or things like that that are more extracurricular um, and students can do on their own to sort of learn those things um, is what is really going to get people interested. You can't, you can't create a curriculum and you can't create a package of materials that are going to make that happen. You just kind of have to start sparking it. Um, and then they did mention in the article and that, that those type of things are, you know, there's a large percentage of people that access that, that are your, you know, higher income families and the children in those situations, the lower income families still are really left out when it comes to even those democratized free type access things, you know, we still have to solve that issue. And maybe, you know, Zuckerberg can do it, you know, in ways of donations and figuring out ways to get that tech in their hands. Um, Final story of the day, EdTech Magazine gives us some details on the Hour of Code, similar to what you were just talking about, Matt, with Code Academy. It's another site that's really into sort of pushing code. And it's saying about 880,000 schools are participating in the Hour of Code. It's happening this week. Um, It's something that's been growing exponentially the past few years. And it's really all about getting people to be able to get some hands-on coding experience. It's not all about kids. It's about all ages. Um, They're really trying to focus on different genders, different racial and different socioeconomic backgrounds participating in this. Um, one of the really cool features this year is that the, tor- the tutorial that they're using is mi- is a Minecraft theme, which I know that's going to hook a lot of kids because Minecraft is so big, um, especially I think in like that 7 to 13 year old range. Um, it's definitely smart to play into that juggernaut that is Minecraft, I would say. Um, they also, you know, they mentioned 180,000 schools, and I know that seems like a lot, but I can tell you from personal experience in the district I was at, we had a lot of schools, and there were very few who were participating. I'm talking less than, like, you know, you could count on one hand. So it still has a, a ways to go, but it's definitely growing. Um, and I really don't see any negative in having your students participating in this. I mean, this is just a great thing. The worst thing that happens is the kids, like, or, you know, go through it and they go, this is horrible. I don't want to do it. Okay, well, you've wasted maybe an hour. That's not so bad. Um, it's fun. I've participated in it personally, and I've uh, worked with a, a coding club that's participated in it in, in the school district that I worked at. You know, it could spark interest and further investigation into a subject that we cannot argue, Matt, is becoming an integral part of our daily lives, even if we're not programmers. These types of things and the solutions that can be provided through knowing computer science and programming is unbelievable. I mean, is it I've in my experience, I think this is the best first step for computer science. If you had anybody who didn't know what it was. I mean, do you agree with that, Matt? Do you think this is the way to go if you're wanting anyone to get interested? So if your students are interested in learning about computer science, is this the first place you should send them? I think that it's a great place to send them. I don't know if it's the first, um, but it's definitely probably one of the top places to go. Um, but I, I look at it from the perspective of having not formally gotten an education in computer science, understanding how certain things work, understanding how your favorite app works, understanding just the language behind that, not necessarily, you know, CS or being able to code in PHP or JS or anything like that, but more understanding the terminology that exists behind that. I think, you know, no matter where you go, you could be a business major, um, you could be studying, you know, literature, history, understanding how these things sort of take place and how you interact with them every single day. I can tell you right now, looking at websites and then knowing how to code them on the back end it gives you a whole different perspective. You know, you can go to a simple 
you know, rinky-dink website and think, oh, man, this only took 15 minutes. And you realize, no, it took many, many hours. Um, and to understand, you know, if you use Instagram, how much code actually goes in behind that, I think is phenomenally important. Yeah, and I think it gives students or anyone, obviously, but focusing on students and educational technology, it gives them confidence to talk about these things and to explore. Like if you don't know what Ruby is or you don't know what Python is or you don't know what some of these things are and somebody says it, it's going to be a deterrent. You're going to go, oh, I don't know what that is. I'm just going to back away. But if you have that knowledge and you sort of can kind of talk in those terms, it, you know, a lot of times with students, it's all about confidence. Even if they do know something, if they're not sure or they think that they don't, they won't put themselves out there and try. But if you give them a little bit of confidence, which something like this does, where you can say, oh, yeah, I understand you know, that when you, you know, have something in parentheses and then have a semicolon at the end and that, and that's, that's an action statement for, you know, whatever it might be. I think those things allow that discussion to take place and allow that kid to explore more. Absolutely. All right, Matt. Well, listen, we're going to try to do a little plug here. So if you do listen to the show and we know there's a couple of you out there, we've had a few of you uh, comment on our edtechweeklyshow.com uh, blog site and you've put some comments in there. We appreciate that. It's so awesome to know that there's people who are actually listening and that are enjoying it. Um, but if you have a chance, give us a review on iTunes. Uh, it just helps put the show rank a little bit higher so more people like you can find it. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes and I'm going to ask Matt, who's my tech guru, to help me figure out how to just make edtechweeklyshow.com slash iTunes take you there so you don't have to click around or go to the website if you don't want to. It just makes it easier for you to give us a re review. Uh, be honest. Oh, to have that redirect just to iTunes? Uh, yeah, just to the site so they can oh, okay. just, yeah, the iTunes site. And then, so just be honest and helpful. If you leave a bad review, that's fine, but just help us know how, what we can do to make you want to listen to the show. We really just want to get this information out there to people who want it. If you don't want it, fine. Um, if you want it and you wish we could do it better, let us know. Um, if you want more information about the stories we've talked about on today's show, definitely go to edtechweeklyshow.com. We post the show notes there. We put links in there to the stories so that you can check them out on your own as well. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I post some stories there as well, at 4techteachers, the number 4techteachers. Follow me on Twitter there. Um, you can email the show, edtechweekly at gmail.com. If you want to send us an audio clip, we can put you on the show. Um, if you just want to send an email, we can read it on the show as well. Um, send us some story ideas if you have any or resources that you think other people in the community would like to hear about. We'd love to share those as well. Uh, you can call and leave a voicemail if that's the way you like to, to do things. 305-92-TECH2. That's Matt's favorite number, 305-92-TECH2. Um, we are awaiting our second voicemail, and Matt has said, and I think it still stands, that he will sing the advertisement if you will come up with a jingle for your advertisement if it is simply just an ad call. So go ahead and do it. Why not? It could be fun. Um, I'm also going to add that if you give us a bad review, I will sing a jingle about your bad review. Well, that's going to make people want to do it, Matt. We don't want bad reviews. It I will not be a very positive. I will put it on my other podcast. It will be a negative jingle. I got gotcha. you. Make Matt cry. Dot com. Oh, it's already taken. I tried to find it. And don't forget, Matt, for our Redditors, edtechweekly.reddit.com. That's what I'll say. I know that's the uh, Reddit community would say the EdTech Weekly subreddit, I believe is how you would say it. Um, and if not, just laugh at me. It's fine. Post funny things about me on Reddit. That's fine. But just do it on edtechweekly.reddit.com. We post links there. 
Um, we've had a few people interact on there as well. Just, you know, post some links, things, share some things that you might want us to talk about on story. We're trying to give you as many ways as possible to interact with the show and make it easy for you uh, if you want to be a part of it. Matt, that's the end of the show for this week, episode 26. Do you have what the good people want, what they deserve, some sort of words of wisdom? Um, next week, I will teach you how to build an HT access file so that you can automatically redirect um, links. Awesome. Well, I look forward to that. That'll be our featured segment. And we will see you next time, next week, on EdTech Weekly. Have a good day. Bye-bye.